One of the many things that we admire about Jesus is that he speaks and lives from the heart. Like other persons that we encounter in life, whom we think live from a heart, it's easy to recognize, to admire such people. It's something else to be able to imitate that in our own lives. On more than one occasion, Jesus challenges current practices, both social and religious, in order to move his hearers from sort of an external observance perspective to one that wells up from inside. Those things that were thought to be the way they always were and should be, he wants them to return to a deeper sense of the importance of those things. He often spoke as though he discerned a kind of attachment to rules and customs that were for the sake of the rules and the customs to the detriment of a deeper awareness and a more heartfelt response to the needs of others. Of course, we all know that the faithful observance of laws and rules is generally regarded as a good thing. It keeps us out of trouble, keeps us in the good graces of authorities like parents, teachers, uh, pastors, law enforcement folks. The rules of the road, for example, like speed limits. I'm told are a good thing. <laughs> we don't always have sort of a heartfelt connection to such things. But the world of religious custom and rules and practices, especially those that have been with us a long time, are something else altogether. Because they have to do with our spiritual well-being. And those issues can be sometimes complex. And we find ourselves wondering and asking, well, what is the right thing to do? And is the right thing to do the good thing to do? Does it apply every time or just sometimes? Does it apply to me or to them? Are there exceptions? because of certain circumstances. I don't know if you're familiar with the, I don't know if it's a sitcom, but anyway, that TV program called What Would You Do? Which has the camera focusing on some human behavior that might be questionable. And the thought is, well, if you saw something that didn't seem to be right or respectful toward another person, what would you do? Would you intervene? Or would you walk away? So it's a, it's a, a window into the complex issues of uh, human, even moral, behavior. So Jesus wades into this kind of human behavior and thinking in today's gospel. The situation is rather amusing, in a sense, 
but it's also very interesting because Jesus has a very serious message. On the surface, you might ask, well, how many ways are there to wash pots and pans and jugs and cups and beds? I draw the line at, at washing beds. But. but the gospel, of course, is not about the correct way of doing the dishes. The tradition has everything to do with what was known as ritual purity. It began in the days when the temple priests would wash their feet and their hands before they went into the tent of meeting, the holy of holies, the place where they offered prayer on behalf of the people. It was a sign of worthiness, a sign of reverence. It eventually became a voluntary practice for everyone, and it spread to other experiences in a devout Jewish person's life. And the Pharisees came along and who liked to make laws and impose them because they could, made it a universal law for everyone. And they were quick to point out when it was not kept, as in today's gospel story. The issue was, as Jesus observes their, and hears underneath their question something else going on, the issue was that it seemed they had lost the real sense of the purpose of such reverence and had rather come simply to, as we might say, canonize the rule for the sake of the rule. Maybe from our own tradition, we might find a couple of examples. Some of us uh, still remember the law about not eating meat on Friday. And when it was changed, there were some faithful folks who thought the church had truly lost its focus. And they were intent on keeping the law despite the, the change. The underlying reason, of course, had always been to establish a kind of penitential attitude or nature in us. Part of the reason for lifting that requirement was to give us a sense that there were many ways to be penitential, and they also were good. Another one was perhaps the, the law, the practice, of receiving communion on the tongue or on the hand. The reaction, again, was the church has lost its rudder. Where is she going with these things? The practice of receiving communion from lay liturgical ministers caused another kind of stress or distress from lay liturgical ministers, both women and men, instead of from the priest. And that was seen also as something that was unworthy and disrespectful of the Eucharist. A couple of months ago, a friend of mine sent me a bulletin announcement from a parish in another part of the world. Um, and the pastor, I presume it was the pastor, had posted a notice in the parish bulletin indicating that the Blessed Mother was afflicted and distressed by this practice of receiving communion standing and on the tongue, or on the hand, in the hand instead of on the tongue, from those who should not be doing this. And so I, 
I wondered um, why the Blessed Mother would be afflicted <laughs> over the celebration of communion. And I found it even more mysterious that this pastor knew about her affliction. <laughs> but in these examples from our own tradition, the heart of the matter was never lost. A penitential spirit continues to be an important part of our spiritual life. The gift of the Eucharist continues to be the heart, the center of that spiritual well-being. So Jesus notes that there's a disconnect between the underlying good and the external observance that became so absolute. He doesn't dispute the practices of the Pharisees, but he seeks to deepen, just to deepen their experience of recalling that those practices ought to flow from a love of God and not a love of human, of human making. And the commitment to the love and care of each other, as James says in the second reading, is above all else to be regarded. It's easy to inspect our hands to see if they are clean before meals. It's more difficult to examine our hearts to discover sincerity and Christ-like intentions. As James points out in his letter today, we are to be not only hearers of the word that has been planted in our hearts, but doers as well.